me tell you the title. The title is The Dimensions, Divine Dimensions. There's actually three of them. So the title is Three Divine Dimensions. And I, I want to unpack the three different aspects of your relationship with Jesus Christ. There's different aspects. And a lot of times we can become overly consumed with one aspect while the other two aspects kind of flounder and wobble. And so what we want to do as children of God is to recognize that there's three aspects of the relationship and all three aspects are incredibly important. And we want to consciously and deliberately fuel and cultivate those aspects of the relationship. As a way of illustration, um, I have three children. Uh, the oldest is, her name is Presley, she's 15, she's about to turn 16, which means she's going to get her driver's license in a few weeks. I've already talked to the Lord, uh, the rapture is going to take place in the next couple weeks so that that day never happens. So get ready, I know a lot of prophecies have been going on about October, October for like seven years in a row, um, nothing that I have noticed has happened in October, I do know, I'm not trying to brag, but I've survived the end of the world seven times in a row. Um, this is a real prophecy. God is coming back before my daughter turns 16. Get your life ready. She's never going to get her driver's license, so I don't ever have to worry about that. <sighs> my next oldest is Luke. He is 12 years old. He'll be 13 pretty soon. And then I have the youngest daughter. Her name is Kate. She's six. And if you have any questions about the world, philosophy, you can ask her because she has made it abundantly clear that she knows everything. And her mother and I don't know anything at all. Um, but this youngest one, Kate, she had a friend over the house yesterday. Uh, her name is Sarai. I'm going to get to her in a minute. Don't put that picture up. Uh, what's interesting about Sarai is she's, um, she came over to spend the night with Kate. And she's three years old. She's a, a, a friend, a, a couple, a friend of ours. Um, they went out of town and they asked us to babysit Sarai. We're like, absolutely, bring her on over, blah, 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 blah. So Sarai's three years old. Uh, she has no concept of dimensions within a relationship. I am to her Kate's dad. Uh, my wife is Kate's mom. She doesn't even call us by our names. She says, Kate's dad, or hey, Kate's mom. The idea that I'm a pastor of a church is nowhere on her radar. The idea that I am anything other than a dad is nowhere on her radar. Uh, the only thing I am to her is Kate's dad. That's it. 
Uh, I'm not uh, in an employee. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an employer. I'm not an employee. I, I don't serve people. I don't do anything else in this world. I don't mow the grass. I don't, I don't do anything. The only thing I do is I stand around as Kate's dad. Um, and so we brought them out on a boat. Uh, yesterday, I've got a picture of the two of them. Um, there, so that's press. Uh, Kate is uh, the one with the glasses on, and this is Sarai. I'm not sure she's eating a cookie there, and uh, it has frosting on it, so she's eating it upside down as she should. But that is Sarai. Do I have two pictures or just one? I have two. Okay, yeah, there they are. There they are. So there's there's Kate to the left wearing the the blue. Oh, that's my daughter, and then there's Sarai. And so uh, Sarai is just constantly, hey, Kate's dad. In fact, last night, right before we went to sleep, everybody was in bed except for me. She came in the kitchen or the living room, and she said, um, Kate's dad, I just spilled water all over the bed. And I said, okay, what you need to do, sweetheart, is you need to go find Kate's mom. (laughs) And she is right behind that door over there, and she will take good care of you. So this is a great example of a one-dimensional relationship. The only thing I am to her is Kate's dad. Your relationship with God has three dimensions to it. And a lot of times for some people, they only have a dimension of a friendship with God, which is going to be the first category I'm going to talk about. Other people, the only dimension they have with him is a partnership. They're constantly thinking about how can I partner with God? What is my assignment with God? The anointing on my life. What do you want me to do for you? What is my ministry? How do I reach out to people? What do I do for you? It's a partnership. It's an aspect of the relationship. It's a very important part of the relationship. But that's the entire relationship. And then for a third category, it's a worshiper. Where the entire relationship is all about glorifying him and honoring him. And so I'm hoping by the end of this message, I can emphasize to you the importance of all three. The friendship, the partnership, and the worshiping aspect. The friendship aspect is discovered, uh, or that opportunity is discovered in Exodus chapter 33 verse 11. Where it talks about how Moses talked face to face with God as a friend talks to one another. And what's so interesting is there was over a million people that was following Moses during that time. But there was a young man named Joshua who caught on to what Moses was doing. And so the end of that verse, verse 11 in chapter 33, it says that after Moses would leave the tabernacle, after talking with God face to face, Joshua would stay a little longer. It was almost like he was saying, I see a friendship that you have with God. I want that too. Now, a friendship with God is very, very interesting because what you're doing at that moment is that you are learning to hear 
him speak to you. Not to tell you your next assignment. Not to point you in a certain direction. But to communicate and be friends with you. You will never be able to understand his assignments until you can recognize his whisper. We have to hear the whisper of God to understand and to feel the rhythm of a relationship. Sometimes we get so caught up in what God wants us to do for him that we forget that the most important thing is to live with him. Let me, I'm going to give you an illustration of this. Um, uh, I'm going to go back to um, a boat analogy. Uh, I was uh, on, on our boat with my son Luke and Kate. It was just me, Luke, and Kate. And I got a video clip of me holding a selfie of, uh, I was holding the phone and I was holding it to myself. It's about 31 seconds long. And what I want you to do is I don't want you to pay any attention to me. Don't even look at me or, or, you know, um, you know, Kate is sitting in the front of the boat. Don't pay any attention to her. I want you to pay attention to Luke because it's a short clip. And if you don't pay attention to Luke, you're going to miss my point. I want you to notice his relationship or him enjoying being with me. And I had to get it on video because it doesn't happen very much. All right. So I want you to just take a look at this. 31 seconds of Luke and I on the boat. Check this out. So why did I share that? The, I, I took that video for his mom. I was going to send it to Allie and say, uh, I say his mom, my wife, my lover, my best friend. I was going to send the clip to, to Allie because I was just driving the boat. He was having fun. I was like, I'm going to take this clip and send it to Allie. But the Lord brought that clip to my remembrance a few days later. And I was in the mo. I was praying in, I can't remember where it was. I think it was in the office. I'm sitting there praying to God. And I was being fervent about my assignments. And I was being fervent about the state of the church. And I was being fervent. And I felt the Lord say, Frankie, enjoy being around me like Luke was enjoying being around you. See, as a father, I have plans for him. As a father, I imagine partnering with him in the future. He's 13 right now. I have plans to do things with him. But in the boat at that moment, what I wanted him to do with me is just have fun with me. If he would have sat down in the boat and said, Dad, what are we going to do together? 
What are we going to do together? What, 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 what am I going to do? What, what do you think I'm going to do with my life? Do you think I'm going to go to college? Do you think I'm not going to go to college? Do you think uh, I'm going to go in the ministry? Do you think I'm going to go into corporate America? Do you think I'm going to be in the service industry? Dad, talk to me, talk to me. I would have looked at him and I would have said, Luke, we are on a boat. Do not talk to me about what your career is going to be. Do not talk to me. I don't want to talk. I just want you to like breathe. Look around. Like, let's enjoy the moment. And a lot of times as children of God, we're thinking so much about important things, we have never learned to just walk and breathe and enjoy the moment. See, in, in First Kings, all three of you clap. There's more than three here, obviously, but I'm just trying to get them going. Um, there's, there's this, uh, in First Kings 19, Elijah was on a cliff and he's trying to hear from God. And he's looking at everything. God, is that you? Is that you? Is that you? One time there was this mighty rushing wind. He was like, God, are you in that wind? And then there was like this, this fire moment. He's, God, are you in? It, is this earthquake? And is this, is that, is that you? Is that you? And then he had to listen to this small, soft whisper. See, if, you, if we don't learn to enjoy a friendship with God. A friendship with God. We will never recognize his whisper. In John 15, 15, he said this. He goes, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends because servants do not know the plans of the master. But I have shared my plans with you. This is what he's saying, I'm sharing my plans with you. But how does he do that? Does he send you an email? Does he put fire in the sky? Does he make it abundantly clear? No, he whispers his plans. And when we don't know what his plans are, it's not because he's not whispering, it's because we are not recognizing the whisper. And sometimes you can try so hard to, to hear something that you miss it. It, when we learn to just walk with him, we learn the cadence of his steps and the desires of his heart and the whisper. Smith Wigglesworth healed more people than anybody I've ever studied. And they said, what is the secret of all the miracles that God uses you for? He goes, at the softest whisper of the Holy Spirit, I turn and obey. We have to enjoy, to, to, to practice. The Brother Lawrence wrote a book. Does anyone remember the, who he wrote it? Um, it wasn't Smith Wigglesworth. Brother Lawrence wrote a book. Anyway, uh, yeah, Practicing the Presence of God. But who was it about? I can't remember who it was about. It's, Brother Lawrence wrote it, Practicing the Presence of God. Maybe someone can look it up. But... The, the whole premise of the book was live your life practicing the presence. Don't ever disconnect. Stay connected. Which is what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 means. Never stop praying. Stay connected. Okay, I've beat that point up enough. 
Let's go to partnership now. Uh, this is what we spend a lot of our time on, the partnership. What is my role? What is my assignment? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to pray for him? Do you want me to pray for her? Do you want me to start a ministry? Do you want me to be a part of a ministry? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I want my life to matter. This is the partnership. Some people never even think about the partnership. Some people never even think about it. But it's an important part of it. So the partnership, the cool thing about the partnership is that that was not something that we invented and that is not something that we are hoping for. That is something that God designed in 1 Corinthians 1.9. It says, and God will do this because he has invited you into partnership with Jesus Christ. It was his idea. It was his idea that your time here on earth would be a partnership with God. That he would whisper to you your next assignment. This is the part about COVID-19 that I hate the most. It's because there's so many people living in their basement that protecting themselves from covid and I'm not mocking anything. I'm just telling you what I hate about COVID. Is that they're just on hold until it's safe to come outside. And so their partnership with God is on hold. Their partnership with God is on pause. Now some people may push back and say, no, I'm, it's not on hold. It's not on pause. I'm still praying in my basement. I know that prayer is the foundation of your partnership, but partnership includes touching people. It includes, if you are not touching people, then you are not partnering with God. It's people, it's people. People, it's, it's it, partnership. When God says, I have invited you into partnership with God. What does that even mean? It's a partnership. We're going to do things together. That's what I hate. I hate, I hate about COVID is we're not allowed to touch each other. Don't, don't breathe, just stay six feet apart from me. It's, it's, I hate it. I hate it. I know you hate it too. I know you hate it too. So I'm talking to the choir. And, and, uh, and I don't want anyone to feel bad. Don't shoot me any emails. Frankie, you're being insensitive. People love shooting emails about you. are being insensitive. Look, I'm just telling you what I hate. I know you hate it too. But partnership. It's, it's, it's in Acts chapter 10 is a great example there was a guy named Cornelius, and he's praying out to God, God, I, I need you, God, help me, Lord, I love you. And the Bible says that his prayers and his giving came up before God like a memorial. Let that encourage you, that when you pray and you give to people, every prayer and every gift stacks up before him like a memorial, 
like a, like a big, huge, like in, in Baytown, Texas, there's a memorial. It's the tallest memorial in the country. And it's just this huge, pointy statue. It's like a, like a, a rectangle-type shape. And it goes straight up in the air, and it comes to a point, and there's a star at the top. Just imagine every prayer and every gift just stacks up like this huge memorial. And so finally, God sent an angel to Cornelius and this angel shows up and he looks at Cornelius and he says, your prayers and your gifts. He was very generous. They've showed up as a memorial before God. And so then he says this, I want you to go find Peter. Go find Peter. He's on Straight Street. He knew the address. I want you to go find Peter and he will tell you what you need to know. So here's the perplexing question. Why didn't the angel just tell him what he needed to know? I mean, my goodness, an angel just came out of heaven and then shows up and starts, just finish the sentence, angel. Like you, you were just in the presence of God in the throne room of God one moment ago. Just tell that's not who God has invited into partnership. He invited people. He invited Peter. He says, I've got a message for Cornelius, and I'm going to work through my people to do it. Do angels step in? Yes. But if you study it, it's usually when there's not a person available. I'm anticipating that we're going to be seeing a lot more angelic activity in these days not necessarily, not necessarily, I don't want you to feel bad for clapping because I love it when you clap, but not necessarily because it's, it's a, a gift, but it's because out of necessity, because people are not available. They're not available. This is what we've got to do. We've got to be a friend. We've got to be a partner. And then here's a really cool, this is the last and final point. A worshiper. A worshiper. It is so important that we are worshipers. Some people can talk about worship better than they actually worship. Some people give the aura, the impression that they're worshipers. But if you could be a fly on their wall, they rarely worship. We as Christians have learned to project ourselves in the way that we want to be viewed. We have gotten good at that. And so we can project ourselves as people who pray, project ourselves as people who worship, but we have become better at projecting worship, the image of a worshiper, than actually being a worshiper. Let me ask you a question. Do you think about worship and think about prayer more than you actually pray? Do you intend on worshiping more than you actually worship? This is a very important thing because right now, right now, 2020, July, whatever it is, 
right now, fear, the spirit of fear is higher than it's ever been in my lifetime. I recognize I'm only 42, but I've got close friends in their 70s and 80s, and they're saying, we haven't seen fear like this since the 1960s. Fear. A lot, some of it is COVID related. Some of it is racial related. A lot of it is economic related because people are losing their jobs. Fear is everywhere right now. Offense. People get offended over anything and everything. And what's so interesting is the people who get offended think that it's ridiculous when other people get offended over things that they don't. But they're insulted when people insinuate that what they get offended over is meaningless. At the end of the day, people get offended over the most sensitive society in the world. Feels like it's right here in the United States. Maybe it's not. I'm not allowed to travel right now. So maybe there's other countries and other places in the world that are far more sensitive, but I'm just speaking as myself. I feel like I gotta stay a hundred yards away from any opinion at all because somebody's gonna be offended about something. And I know many of you feel that way too. How many people have unfriended you? Click, click, I'm not your friend anymore. How many people have unfriended you? How many people have stopped talking to you? How many people stay away from you? Why? Because you did something to offend them. And whatever you did, you didn't, if you would have known that it was going to offend them, you probably wouldn't have done it. But you were just kind of living your life. And the next thing you know, you got four or five people that are offended with you. Offense is everywhere. In Matthew chapter 24, it says that offense of the brethren will be one of the signs of the last days. Where Christians are offended with Christians. There once was a day where the only thing Christians cared about was, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes or no? Yes, we're good. No, we got to talk. Now we got a whole list of things. I want to tell you, fear, offense. Let me think about it. Let me think, what is that verse? In the last days, the love of many will, will become cold. Sin will be rampant everywhere, but the love of many will draw cold. I think it's Matthew 24, 12. I think it's 24, 12. In the last days, sin will be rampant everywhere. People can carry pornography in their pocket. All the pornography they want to see is in their pocket. They can open up Facebook and and Instagram or whatever app and cause all the dissension they want without any accountability. We are living in a day where fear and offense is rampant. And then number three, spiritual indifference. You know, more people are upset about not being allowed to go to church than they are missing church. 
It's interesting, especially in the South. If a governor or a state official or a city official says, don't go to church, people get upset about that. Don't infringe on my rights. But those same people, if you look at their church attendance last year, didn't really go to church as often as that they're positioning themselves anyway. It's a spiritual indifference. Take it or leave it. They like, they miss having the option of going to church, but they don't really miss going to church. They just miss having the option of going to church. It's a scary time. Why am I mentioning this? Why am I mentioning that people no longer miss being in the house of God? Why am I mentioning this? Why am I mentioning fear? Why am I mentioning offense? Why am I mentioning the spiritual indifference? Because your friendship, your partnership with God is more important now than it's ever been before. We have got to learn to walk with him and talk with him and and be in cadence with him. And we've also got to know, God, what do you want me to do and when do you want me to do it? We've got to be worshipers that change the atmosphere. There's so many people living in depression and fear and there's so many marriages being held together by nothing more than commitment. Not love, not passion, commitment. And the only way that that will ever change, the only way that the spirit of fear will ever be taken away, the spirit of offense will ever be taken away, the indifference will be taken away, the only way that all of this will ever change is if there's somebody who's a friend of God if there's somebody who has accepted their partnership with God and takes it serious, will worship and change the atmosphere by worshiping. That's the only way the atmosphere in your home changes. That's the only way that the the anointing oil on your life goes from being hard and crusted to flowing like it did off of the priest's beard in the Old Testament. The only way is to say, God, I'm going to worship you. I may not sing like Israel, Houghton, or Cindy Cruz. I may not sing like the angels sing, but no one will outpassion me. You can outsing me, but you can't outpassion me. There's got to be somebody that you say, well, Frankie, do you really change the atmosphere? Yes! In Psalms chapter 22, verse 3, it says that he sits in the atmosphere of the praises of his people. The minute you start praising, the minute you start worshiping, he begins to sit in it. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, If the biggest word in the English language has two letters, if, If my people who are called by my name, that's you. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. In other words, stop your day. You're not that important. Get over yourself. You're not that important. I'm saying it with love. You're not that important. (laughs) 
I'm saying it with love. Frankie, get over yourself. You're not that big of a deal. Stop what you're doing. Humble yourself. The whole world is not being held together by you. Stop what you're doing. Humble yourself. And what, listen to this. Seek my face. Humble yourself. Seek my face. Pray. Turn from your wicked ways. And then, listen what he promises. And then I will hear from heaven. And I will bless you and heal your land. I will forgive you of your sins and heal your land. Come on. This is, this is what a worshiper does. Every single day I have this thought. Every single day I have this thought. Every day. Because right before I get ready to pray, I think of 79 important things that I need to do. Every time it happens over and over again. I need to pray. It's time to pray. This is my appointment to pray. This is what I, I this is the time that, of the day that I decided last night before I went to sleep when I was going to pray. Because I set up the appointment just like I do with any other person. And right before that appointment starts, I think of 79 different things that I need to do. And then I have this thought. Frankie, what's the most important thing that you are going to do today? And the answer is pray. I preached a lot longer than I planned on this morning. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for it because I only get one shot a week. And I went six minutes and 57 seconds over. I'm so sorry. But I love you. And you have the call of God on your life. You have the call of God on your life. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your partner. And he wants to invade your life with worship. I hope that inspires you. Let me pray a blessing on your life. And if you ever want to memorize this blessing yourself... It's called the priestly blessing. It's in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. But let me just pray it over you. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face, like the sun, shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and give you peace. I love you all. I'll see you next week.